Section 5 of Poems of American History, Volume 2, The Revolution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chris Pyle. Chapter 2 The Bursting of the Storm. All through the winter of 1774, to 1775, the people of Massachusetts had offered a passive but effective resistance to General Gage. Not a counselor, judge, sheriff, or juryman could be found to serve under the Royal Commission, and for nine months the ordinary functions of government were suspended. At eventide, on every village green, a company of yeomen drilled, and a supply of powder and ball were gradually collected at Concord. But every man in the province was given to understand that England must fire the first shot. At the beginning of spring, Gage received peremptory orders to arrest Samuel Adams and John Hancock, and send them to England to be tried for treason. He learned that they would be at a friend's house at Lexington during the middle of April, and on the night of April 18th dispatched a force of 800 men to seize them, and then to proceed to Concord and destroy the military stores collected there. Although the movement was conducted with the greatest secrecy, Joseph Warren divined its purpose, and sent out Paul Revere by way of Charleston to give the alarm. Paul Revere's Ride, April 18th to 19th, 1775 Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. On the 18th of April in 75, hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. He said to his friend, if the British march by land or sea from the town tonight, hang a lantern aloft in the belfry arch of the north church tower as a signal light, one if by land and two if by sea, and I on the opposite shore will be, ready to ride and spread the alarm through every Middlesex village and farm, for the country folk to be up and to arm. Then he said good night, and with muffled oar, silently rowed to the Charleston shore. Just as the moon rose over the bay, where swinging wide at her moorings lay, the Somerset, British man of war, a phantom ship with each mast and spar, across the moon like a prison bar, and a huge black hulk that was magnified by its own reflection in the tide. Meanwhile his friend, through alley and street, wanders and watches with eager ears, Till in the silence around him he hears the muster of men at the barrack door, the sound of arms and the tramp of feet, and the measured tread of the grenadiers, moving down to their boats on the shore. Then he climbed the tower of the old north church by the wooden stairs with stealthy tread, to the belfry chamber overhead, and startled the pigeons from their perch, on the somber rafters that round him made masses and moving shapes of shade by the trembling ladder steep and tall to the highest window in the wall, where he paused to listen and look down, a moment on the roofs of the town, and the moonlight flowing over all. Beneath, in the churchyard, lay the dead, in their night encampment on the hill, wrapped in silence so deep and still, that he could hear, like a sentinel's tread, the watchful night wind as it went creeping along from tent to tent, and seeming to whisper all is well a moment only he feels the spell of the place and the hour and the secret dread of the lonely belfry and the dead for suddenly all his thoughts are bent on a shadowy something far away where the river widens to meet the bay a line of black 
that bends and floats on the rising tide like a bridge of boats meanwhile impatient to mount and ride booted and spurred with a heavy stride on the opposite shore walked paul revere now he patted his horse's side now gazed at the landscape far and near then impetuous stamped the earth and turned and tightened his saddle girth but mostly he watched with eager search the belfry tower of the old north church as it rose above the graves on the hill lonely and spectral and sombre and still and lo as he looks on the belfry's height a glimmer and then a gleam of light he springs to the saddle the bridle he turns but lingers and gazes till full on his sight a second lamp in the belfry burns a hurry of hoofs in a village street a shape in the moonlight a bulk in the dark and beneath from the pebbles in passing a spark struck out by a steed flying fearless and fleet that was all and yet through the gloom and the light the fate of a nation was riding that night and the spark struck out by that steed in his flight kindled the land into flame with its heat he has left the village and mounted the steep and beneath him tranquil and broad and deep is the mystic meeting the ocean tides and under the alders that skirt its edge now soft on the sand now loud on the ledge is heard the tramp of his steed as he rides it was twelve by the village clock when he crossed the bridge into medford town he heard the crowing of the cock and the barking of the farmer's dog and felt the damp of the river fog that rises after the sun goes down it was one by the village clock when he galloped into lexington he saw the gilded weathercock swim in the moonlight as he passed and the meeting-house windows blank and bare gazed at him with a spectral glare as if they already stood aghast at the bloody work they would look upon it was two by the village clock when he came to the bridge in concord town he heard the bleating of the flock and the twitter of birds among the trees and felt the breath of the morning breeze blowing over the meadows brown and one was safe and asleep in his bed who at the bridge would be the first to fall who that day would be lying dead pierced by a british musket ball you know the rest in the books you have read how the british regulars fired and fled how the farmers gave them ball for ball from behind each fence and farmyard wall chasing the redcoats down the lane then crossing the fields to emerge again under the trees at the turn of the road and only pausing to fire and load so through the night rode paul revere and so through the night went his cry of alarm to every middlesex village and farm a cry of defiance and not of fear a voice in the darkness a knock at the door and a word that shall echo forevermore for born on the night wind of the past through all our history to the last is the hour of darkness and peril and need the people will waken and listen to hear the hurrying hoofbeats of that steed and the midnight message of paul revere henry wadsworth longfellow at the same time warren dispatched william dawes by way of roxbury but though dawes played an important part in the events of the night his exploits have been completely overshadowed in the popular imagination by those of the other courier what's in a name i am a wandering bitter shade never of me was a hero made poets have never sung my praise nobody crowned my brow with bays and if you ask me the fatal cause i answer only my name was dawes tis all very well for the children to hear of the midnight ride of paul revere but why should my name be quite forgot who rolled as boldly and well god wot 
Why should I ask? The reason is clear. My name was Dawes, and his Revere. When the lights from the old North Church flashed out, Paul Revere was waiting about, but I was already on my way. The shadows of night fell cold and gray as I rode, with never a break or pause. But what was the use when my name was Dawes? History rings with his silvery name. Closed to me are the portals of fame. Had he been Dawes and I Revere, no one had heard of him, I fear. No one has heard of me because he was Revere and I was Dawes. Helen F. Moore Revere galloped at top speed to Lexington and warned Hancock and Adams, who left the town shortly before daybreak. Meanwhile, the Minutemen of the village had gathered, and the vanguard of the English column was confronted by about fifty colonials under command of Captain John Parker. The British commander, Major Pitcairn, ordered them to disperse, and as they stood motionless, he gave the order to fire. His men hesitated, but he discharged his own pistol and repeated the order, whereupon a deadly volley killed eight of the Minutemen and wounded ten. A moment later, the main body of the British came up, and Parker, seeing the folly of resistance, ordered his men to retire. Lexington, April 19, 1775, from Psalm of the West. O'er Cambridge set the yeoman's mark, Climb, patriot, through the April dark. O lantern, kindle fast thy light, Thou budding star in the April night. For never a star more news hath told, Or later flame in heaven shall hold. I lantern on North Church Tower, When that thy church hath had her hour, Still from the top of reverence high Shalt thou illume fame's ampler sky. For statured large o'er town and tree, Time's tallest figure stands by thee, and dim as now thy wick may shine, the future lights his lamp at thine. Now haste thee while the way is clear, Paul Revere. Haste, Dawes, but haste thou not, O son, to Lexington. Then Devons looked and saw the light. He got him forth unto the night, and watched alone on the river's shore, and marked the British faring o'er. John Parker, rub thine eyes and yawn, for one o'clock and yet tis dawn. Quick, rub thine eyes and draw thy hose. The morning comes ere darkness goes. Have forth and call the yeoman out, for somewhere, somewhere close about, full soon a thing must come to be. Thine honest eyes shall stare to see. Full soon before thy patriot eyes freedom from out of a wound shall rise. Then haste ye, Prescott and Revere, bring all the men of Lincoln here. Let Chelmsford, Littleton, Carlisle, let Acton, Bedford, hither file. O oh, hither file and plainly see, out of a wound leap liberty. Say, Woodman April, all in green, say, Robin April, hast thou seen in all thy travel round the earth ever a morn of calmer birth? But morning's eye alone serene can gaze upon yon village green to where the trooping British run through Lexington. Good men in fustian, stand ye still, the men in red come o'er the hill. Lay down your arms, damned rebels cry, the men in red, full hot to lie. But never a grounding gun is heard, the men in fustian stand unstirred. Dead calm, save maybe a wise bluebird, puts in his little heavenly word. O oh, men in red, if ye but knew, the least of all that bluebirds do. Now in this little godly calm, yon voice might sing the future's psalm. The psalm of love with the brotherly eyes, who pardons and is very wise. Yon voice that shouts high horse with ire, fire! The redcoats fire, the homespuns fall. 
the homespun's anxious voices call brother art hurt and where hit john and wipe this blood and men come on and neighbor do but lift my head and who is wounded who is dead seven are killed my god my god seven lie dead on the village sod two harringtons parker hadley brown monroe and porter these are down nay look stout harrington not yet dead he crooks his elbow lifts his head he lies at the step of his own house door he crawls and makes a path of gore the wife from the window hath seen and rushed he hath reached the step but the blood hath gushed he hath crawled to the step of his own house door but his head hath dropped he will crawl no more clasp wife and kiss and lift the head harrington lies at his doorstep dead o ye six that round him lay and bloodied up that april day as harrington fell ye likewise fell at the door of the house wherein ye dwell as harrington came ye likewise came and died at the door of your house of fame sydney lanier lexington april nineteenth seventeen seventy five slowly the mist o'er the meadow was creeping bright on the dewy buds glistened the sun when from his couch while his children were sleeping rose the bold rebel and shouldered his gun waving her golden veil over the silent dale lithe looked the morning on cottage and spire hushed was his parting sigh while from his noble eye flashed the last sparkle of liberty's fire on the smooth green where the fresh leaf is springing calmly the first-born of glory have met hark the death volley around them is ringing look with their life-blood the young grass is wet faint is the feeble breath murmuring low in death tell to our sons how their fathers have died nerveless the iron hand raised for its native land lies by the weapon that gleams at its side over the hillsides the wild knell is tolling from their far hamlets the yeomanry come and through the storm clouds the thunder burst rolling circles the beat of the mustering drum fast on the soldier's path darken the waves of wrath long have they gathered and loud shall they fall red glares the muskets flash sharp rings the rifles crash blazing and clanging from thicket and wall gaily the plume of the horseman was dancing never to shadow his cold brow again proudly at morning the war steed was prancing reeking and panting he droops on the rein pale as the lip of scorn voiceless the trumpet horn torn is the silken fringed red cross on high many a belted breast low on the turf shall rest ere the dark hunters the herd have passed by snow-girdled crags where the hoarse wind is raving rocks where the weary floods murmur and wail wilds where the fern by the furrow is waving reeled with the echoes that rode on the gale far as the tempest thrills over the darkened hills far as the sunshine streams over the plain roused by the tyrant band woke all the mighty land girded for battle from mountain to main green be the graves where her martyrs are lying shroudless and tombless they sunk to their rest while o'er their ashes the starry fold flying wraps the proud eagle they roused from his nest borne on her lonely pine long o'er the foaming brine spread her broad banner to storm and to sun heaven keep her ever free wide as o'er land and sea floats the fair emblem her heroes have won oliver wendell holmes the british pressed on to concord 
but the greater part of the stores had been hidden, and Minutemen were gathering from all directions. Colonel Smith, commanding the British, began to realize the dangers of his position, and about noon started to retreat to Boston, and none too soon, for the whole country was aroused. Minutemen swarmed in from all directions, and taking advantage of every tree and hillock by the roadside, poured into the British a fire so deadly that the retreat soon became a disorderly flight. The timely arrival of strong reinforcements was all that saved the British from annihilation. New England's Chevy Chase, April 19, 1775 T'was the dead of night, by the pine knot's red light Brooks lay, half asleep, when he heard the alarm. Only this and no more from a voice at the door, The redcoats are out in a past Phipps farm. Brooks was booted and spurred, he said never a word took his horn from its peg and his gun from its rack. To the cold midnight air he led out his white mare, strapped the girths and the bridle, and sprang to her back. Up the north country road at her full pace she strode, till Brooks reined her up at John Tarbell's to say, We have got the alarm, they have left Phipps farm. You rouse the east precinct and I'll go this way. John called his hired man and they harnessed the span. They roused Abram Garfield, and Abram called me. Turn out right away, let no minute men stay. The redcoats have landed at Phipps, says he. By the powder-house greens, seven others fell in. At Natham's, the men from the sawmill came down. So that when Jabez Bland gave the word of command, and said, Forward march, there marched forward the town. Parson Wilderspin stood by the side of the road, and he took off his hat, and he said, Let us pray, O Lord, God of might, let thine angels of light lead thy children to-night to the glories of day, and let the stars fight all the foes of the right, as the stars fought of old against Caesarea. And from heaven's high arch those stars blessed our march, till the last of them faded in twilight away. And with morning's bright beam by the bank of the stream half the county marched in, and we heard Davis say, on the king's own highway I may travel all day, and no man hath warrant to stop me, says he. I have no man that's afraid, and I'll march at their head. Then he turned to the boys, forward march, follow me. And we marched as he said, and the fifery played the old white cockade, and he played it right well. We saw Davis fall dead, but no man was afraid. That bridge we'd have had, though a thousand men fell. This opened the play, and it lasted all day. We made Concord too hot for the Redcoats to stay. Down the Lexington way we stormed, black, white, and gray. We were first in the feast, and were last in the fray. They would turn in dismay as red wolves turn at bay. They leveled, they fired, they charged up the road. Cephas Willard fell dead, he was shot in the head, as he knelt by Aunt Prudence's well-sweeped to load. John Danforth was hit just in Lexington Street. John Bridge at that lane where you cross Beaver Falls and winch in the snows just above john monroe's swept away by one swoop of the big cannon-balls i took bridge on my knee but he said don't mind me fill your horn from mine let me lie where i be our fathers says he that their sons might be free left their king on his throne and came over the sea and that man is a knave or a fool who to save his life for a minute should live like a slave well all would not do there were men good as new, from Rumford, from Saugus, from towns far away, who filled up quick and well for each soldier that fell. 
and we drove them and drove them and drove them all day we knew every one it was war that begun when that morning's marching was only half done in the hazy twilight at the coming of night i crowded three buckshot and one bullet down twas my last charge of lead and i aimed at her and said good luck to you lobsters in old boston town in a barn at milk row ephraim bates and monroe and baker and abram and i made a bed we had mighty sore feet and we'd nothing to eat but we'd driven the redcoats and amos he said it's the first time says he that it's happened to me to march to the sea by this road where we've come but confound this whole day but we'd all of us say we'd rather spin it this way than to home the hunt had begun with the dawn of the sun and night saw the wolf driven back to his den and never since then in the memory of men has the old bay state seen such a hunting again edward everett hale april nineteenth eighteen eighty two the king's own regulars and their triumph over the irregulars since you all will have singing and won't be said nay i cannot refuse when you so beg and pray so i'll sing you a song as a body may say tis of the king's regulars who ne'er ran away oh the old soldiers of the king and the king's own regulars at preston pans we met with some rebels one day we marshaled ourselves all in comely array our hearts were all stout and bid our legs stay but our feet were wrong-headed and took us away at falkirk we resolved to be braver and recover some credit by better behavior we wouldn't acknowledge feet had done us a favor so feet swore they would stand but legs ran however no troops perform better than we at reviews we march and we wheel and whatever you choose george would see how we fight and we never refuse there we all fight with courage you may see it in the news to monongahela with fifes and with drums we marched in fine order with cannon and bombs the great expedition cost infinite sums but a few irregulars cut us all into crumbs it is not fair to shoot at us from behind trees if they had stood open as they ought before our great guns we should have beat them with ease they may fight with one another that way if they please but it is not regular to stand and fight with such rascals as these at fort george and oswego to our great reputation we showed our vast skill in fortification the french fired three guns of the fourth they had no occasion for we gave up those forts not through fear but mere persuasion to ticonderoga we went in a passion swearing to be revenged on the whole french nation we soon turned tail without hesitation because they fought behind trees which is not the regular fashion lord loudon he was a regular general they say with a great regular army he went on his way against lewisburg to make it his prey but returned without seeing it for he didn't feel bold that day grown proud at reviews great george had no rest each grandsire he had heard a rebellion suppressed he wished a rebellion looked round and saw none so revolved a rebellion to make of his own the yankees he bravely pitched on because he thought they wouldn't fight so he sent us over to take away their right but lest they should spoil our review clothes he cried braver and louder for god's sake brother kings don't sell the cowards any powder our general with his council of war did advise how at lexington we might the yankees surprise we marched and remarched all surprised at being beat and so our wise general's plan of surprise was complete for fifteen miles they followed us and pelted us we scarce had time to pull a trigger but did you ever know a retreat performed with more vigor for we did it in two hours which saved us from perdition 
was not in going out but in returning consisted our expedition says our general we were forced to take to our arms in defense for arms read legs and it will be both truth and sense lord percy says he i must say something of him in civility and that is i can never enough praise him for his great agility of their firing from behind fences he makes a great pother each fence has two sides they made use of one and we only forgot to use the other then we turned our backs and ran away so fast don't let that disgrace us twas only to make good what sandwich said that the yankees could not face us as they could not get before us how could they look us in the face we took care they shouldn't by scampering away apace that they had not much to brag of is a very plain case for if they beat us in the fight we beat them in the race pennsylvania evening post march thirtieth seventeen seventy six how the alarm of the fight spread through the countryside how men left the plough the loom the anvil and hastened musket in hand to the land's defence that day has been told and retold in song and story here is the story of morgan stanwood one among hundreds such morgan stanwood cape ann seventeen seventy five morgan stanwood patriot little more is known nothing of his home is left but the doorstep stone morgan stanwood to our thought you return once more once again the meadows lift daisies to your door once again the morn is sweet half the hay is down hark what means that sudden clang from the distant town larum bell and rolling drum answers seaborne guns larum bell and rolling drum summon freedom's sons and the mower thinks to him cry both bell and drum morgan stanwood where art thou here the invaders come morgan stanwood need no more bell and drumbeat call he is one who hearing once answers once for all ne'er the mower murmured then half my grass is mown homespun is in soldier where each may save his own fallen scythe and aftermath lie forgotten now winter need may come and find but a barren mow down the musket comes good wife wife a quicker flint and the face that questions face hath no color in't wife if i am late to-night milk the heifer first ruth if i'm not home on all worse has come to worst morgan stanwood sped along not the common road over wall and hilltop straight straight to death he strode leaving her to hear at night tread of burdened men by the gate and through the gate at the door and then ever after that to hear when the grass is sweet through the gate and through the night slowly coming feet morgan stanwood's roof is gone here the doorstep lies one may stand thereon and think for the thought will rise were we where the meadow was mowing grass alone would we go the way he went from this very stone were we on the doorstep here parting for a day would we utter words as though parting were for a would we heart thy hearth is dear meadow math is sweet parting be as parting may after all we meet hiram rich tidings of the fight reached northborough early in the afternoon while a company of minutemen were listening to a patriotic address they shouldered their muskets and started at once for the firing line the minutemen of northborough april nineteenth seventeen seventy five tis noonday by the buttonwood with slender shadowed bud 
tis april by the assabet whose banks scarce hold his flood when down the road from marlborough we hear a sound of speed a cracking whip and the clanking hoofs a case of crying need and there a dusty rider haste to tell us of flowing blood of troops afield of war abroad and many a desperate deed the minutemen of northborough were gathering that day to hear the parson talk of god of freedom and the state they throng about the horseman drinking in all he should say beside the perfumed lilacs blooming by the parson's gate the british march from boston through the night to lexington revere alarms the countryside to meet them ere the sun upon the common in the dawn the red-coat butchers slay on conquered march and there again pursue their murderous way we drive them back we follow on they have begun to run all middlesex and worcesters up pray god ours is the day the minutemen of northborough let rust the standing plough the seed may wait the fertile ground up smiling to the spring they seize their guns and powder horns there is no halting now at thought of homes made fatherless by order of the king the pewter ware is melted into bullets long past due the flints are picked the powders dry the rifles shine like new within their captain's yard in rank they hear the parson's prayer unto the god of armies for the battles they must share he asks that to their fathers and their altars they be true for country and for liberty unswervingly to dare the minutemen of northborough set out with drum and fife with shining eyes they've blessed their babes and bid their wives good-bye the hands that here release the plough have taken up a strife that shall not end until all earth has heard the battle cry at every town new streams of men join in the mighty flow at every crossroad comes the message of a fleeing foe the british force though troubled fails against the advancing tide our rifles speak from fence and tree in front on every side the british fall the men and men have mixed with bitterest woe their late vainglorious vaunting and their military pride the men and men of northborough they boast no martial air no uniforms gleam in the sun whereon and on they plod but generations yet unborn their valor shall declare they strike for massachusetts bay they serve new england's god the hirelings who would make us slaves themselves are backward hurled on worcester and on middlesex their flags forever furled theirs was the glinting pomp of war ours is the victor's prize that day a burgeoning has seen a race of freemen rise a nation born in fearlessness stands forth before the world with god her shield the right her sword and freedom in her eyes the men and men of northborough sit down by boston town they fight and bleed at bunker hill they cheer for washington and thankfulness they speed their bolt against the british crown and take the plough again in peace their warriors duty done wallace rice lexington seventeen seventy five no berserk thirst of blood had they no battle joy was theirs who set against the alien bayonet their homespun breast in that old day their feet had trodden peaceful ways they loved not strife they dreaded pain they saw not what to us is plain that god would make man's wrath his praise no seers were they but simple men its vast results the future hid the meaning of the work they did was strange and dark and doubtful then swift as their summons came they left the plough mid-furrow standing still the half-ground corn grist in the mill the spade in earth the axe in cleft 
They went where duty seemed to call, they scarcely asked the reason why, they only knew they could but die, and death was not the worst of all. Of man for man the sacrifice, all that was theirs to give they gave. The flowers that blossomed from their grave have sown themselves beneath all skies. Their death shot shook the feudal tower, and shattered slavery's chain as well. On the sky's dome as on a bell, its echo struck the world's great hour. That fateful echo is not dumb. The nations, listening to its sound, wait from a century's vantage ground, the holier triumphs yet to come. The bridal time of law and love, the gladness of the world's release, when war-sick at the feet of peace, the hawk shall nestle with the dove. The golden age of brotherhood, unknown to other rivalries, than of the mild humanities and gracious interchange of good, when closer strand shall lean to strand, till meet, beneath saluting flags, the eagle of our mountain crags, the lion of our motherland. John Greenleaf Whittier The news of the fight at Lexington spread with remarkable rapidity throughout the whole country, and nearly every colony at once took steps for the enlistment and training of a colonial militia. No stronger proof of the electric condition of the country could be offered than the way in which men everywhere rushed to arms. THE RISING FROM THE WAGONER OF THE Alleghanies. Out of the north the wild news came, far flashing on its wings of flame, swift as the boreal light which flies at midnight through the startled skies. And there was tumult in the air, the fife's shrill note, the drum's loud beat, and through the wild land everywhere the answering tread of hurrying feet. When the first oath of freedom's gun came on the blast from Lexington, and Concord, roused no longer tame, forgot her old baptismal name, made bare her patriot arm of power, and swelled the discord of the hour. Within its shade of elm and oak the church of Berkeley Manor stood. There Sunday found the rural folk, and some esteemed of gentle blood, in vain their feet with loitering tread passed mid the graves where rank is naught. All could not read the lesson taught in that republic of the dead. The pastor rose, the prayer was strong, the psalm was warrior David's song. The text, a few short words of might. The Lord of hosts shall arm the right. He spoke of wrongs too long endured, of sacred rights to be secured. Then from his patriot tongue of flame the startling words for freedom came. The stirring sentences he spake compelled the heart to glow or quake. And rising on his theme's broad wing and grasping in his nervous hand the imaginary battle brand in face of death he dared to fling defiance to a tyrant king. Even as he spoke, his frame, renewed in eloquence of attitude, rose, as it seemed, a shoulder higher. Then swept his kindling glance of fire, from startled pew to breathless choir, when suddenly his mantle wide, his hands impatient flung aside, and lo, he met their wondering eyes, complete in all a warrior's guise. A moment there was awful pause, when Berkeley cried, Cease, traitor, cease! God's temple is the house of peace! The other shouted, Nay, not so, when God is with our righteous cause, his holiest places then are ours. His temples are our forts and towers that frown upon the tyrant foe, and this, the dawn of freedom's day, there is a time to fight and pray. And now before the open door, the warrior priest had ordered so, the enlisting trumpet's sudden soar rang through the chapel o'er and o'er, its long reverberating blow so loud and clear. It seemed the ear of dusty death might wake and hear. 
and there the startling drum and fife fired the living with fiercer life while overhead with wild increase forgetting its ancient toll of peace the great bell swung as ne'er before it seemed as it would never cease and every word its ardor flung from off its jubilant iron tongue was war 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 who dares that was the patriot's cry as striding from the desk he came come out with me in freedom's name for her to live for her to die a hundred hands flung up reply a hundred voices answered i thomas buchanan reed early in may news of the fight at lexington reached machias maine and on the eleventh a party of young men boarded the british armed schooner margaretta which was in the harbor there and forced her to surrender after a loss of about twenty on each side the prize of the margaretta may eleventh seventeen seventy five four young men of a monday morn heard that a flag of peace was torn heard that rebels with sword and gun had fought the british at lexington while they were far from that bloody plain safe on the green-clad shores of maine with eyes that glittered and hearts that burned they talked to the glory their friends had earned and asked each other what can we do so our hands may prove that our hearts are true silent the margaretta lay out on the bosom of the bay on her masts rich bunting gleamed bravely the flag of england streamed the young men gazed at the tempting prize they wistfully glanced in each other's eyes said one we can lower that cloth of dread and hoist the pine-tree flag instead we are only boys to the old and sage we have not yet come to manhood's age but we can show them that when there's need men may follow and boys may lead tightly each other's hand they pressed loudly they cried we will do our best the pine-tree flag ere day is past shall float from the margaretta's mast they ran to a sloop that lay near by they roused their neighbors with hue and cry they doffed their hats gave three loud cheers and called for a crew of volunteers their bold brave spirits spread far and wide and men came running from every side curious armed were the dauntless ones with axes pitchforks scythes and guns they shouted ere this day be passed the pine tree grows from the schooner's mast with sails all set trim as could be the margaretta stood out to sea with every man and boy in place the gallant yankee sloop gave chase rippled and foamed the sunlit seas freshened and sung the soft may breeze and came from the sloop's low deck hooray we're gaining on her we'll win the day a sound of thunder echoing wide came from the margaretta's side a deadly crash and a loud death yell and one of the brave pursuers fell they aimed a gun at the schooner then and sent the compliment back again he who at the helm of the schooner stood covered the deck with his rich life blood each burning to pay a bloody debt the crews of the hostile vessels met the western nation now to be made her first fight upon the sea and not till forty men were slain did the pine-tree flag a victory gain but at last the hearts of the britons quailed and grandly the patriot arm prevailed one of the youths the deed to crown grasped the colors and pulled them down and raised mid cries of wild delight the pine-tree flag of blue and white and the truth was shown for the world to read that men may follow and boys may lead will carleton in north carolina the men of mecklenburg county met may thirty first and adopted their famous resolves declaring that each provincial congress was invested with all legislative 
and executive powers for the government of the colonies, and should exercise them independently of Great Britain, until Parliament should resign its arbitrary pretensions. It was from these resolves that the legend of the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence, said to have been signed on May 20th, originated. The Mecklenburg Declaration, May 20th, 1775 Oppressed and few, but freemen yet, the men of Mecklenburg have met, determined to be free, and crook no coward knee though might in front and treason at the back brought death and ruin in their joint attack the tyrant's heel was on the land when polk convoked his gallant band and told in words full strong the bitter tale of wrong then came a whisper like the storm's first waves we must be independent or be slaves but hark what hurried rider this with jaded horse and garb amiss whose look some woe proclaims ere he his mission names he rides amain from far-off Lexington, and tells the blood-red news of war begun. Then Brevard, Balch, and Kennan spoke the wise, bold words that I invoke, men to defend the right and scorn the despot's might. Until from all there rose the answering cry, we shall be independent, or we die. When Alexander called the vote, no dastard nay's discordant note broke on that holy air, for dastard none was there. But in prompt answer to their country's call, they pledged life, fortune, sacred honor, all. In solemn hush the people heard, with shout and cheer they caught the word, Independence, in that sign we grasp our right divine. For the tyrant's might and the traitor's hate must yield to men who fight for God and state. The hero's shout flew on the breeze, rushed from the mountains to the seas, till all the land uprose their faces to their foes shook off the thraldom they so long had borne and swore the oath that mecklenburg had sworn and well those men maintained the right they kept the faith and fought the fight till might and treason both fled fast before the oath which brought the god of freedom's battles down to place on patriot brows the victor's crown william c elam up and down the land in every city town and hamlet men were drilling with brooms and cornstalks when no muskets were available the storm which had been gathering for years had burst at last a song hark tis freedom that calls come patriots awake to arms my brave boys and away tis honor tis virtue tis liberty calls and upraise the too tedious delay what pleasure we find in pursuing our foes through blood and through carnage will fly then follow will soon overtake them huzzah the tyrants are seized on they die triumphant returning with freedom secured like men will be joyful and gay with our wives and our friends will sport love and drink and lose the fatigues of the day tis freedom alone gives relish to mirth but oppression all happiness sours it will smooth life's dull passage Twill slope the descent and strew the way over with flowers. Pennsylvania Journal, May 31st, 1775. End of section 5. Recording by Chris Pyle.